your home for Utah's best sports radio. With the hosts that have been with the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars for every step of the way. This is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, yes! DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Football Fridays here on The Zone Sports Network. And coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Rams on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. And now we are joined by the Raiders radio analyst. You hear him on the game broadcast. Every week right here on the Zone Sports Network, he and Brent Musburger calling the games. And I don't know why this said Rams, because the Raiders are playing the Chargers this week. But, see, you said Los Angeles, Lloyd. Uh, and you're a Raider fan, Lloyd. That is that is sad. All right, Lincoln, welcome in. How are you? <laughs> well, well, it's fair because it's the first time in history that you will have the Las Vegas Raiders playing the L.A. Chargers. So, you know, Los Angeles Chargers. So it, it, it's, it's a fair mistake. It's, it's okay. We'll let it fly. Here's the deal. Jake, his wife, has got something to do. So he's got the kids for a three-day weekend. So he's off. Uh-huh. And Lloyd, Lloyd saw 4.30 in, this mor- the 4.30 in the morning, and he freaked out. He doesn't know how the Sun Devils <laughs> and the Trojans are going to do breakfast at 4.45. But there have been several issues this morning. And we're getting through them. We're working through them. But Lloyd has uttered the phrase, Oh, it's so early. So many times today, I don't even have words. Well, I, I know the feeling because the internet is down here, and though I can, you know, relate to life without the internet, my kids are scrambling around before they go to school. What's what's wrong with the world? Why can't I get online? <laughs> and so I, I understand the the problem solving method that's meant in all of us when things go awry. <laughs> so before we get to the Raiders. We've been talking to NFL with you all this year because <clears throat> you ended right. up on the Raider broadcast. But when you started doing the show, I don't think you were doing NFL games at that point. You were a straight Pac-12 network analyst, weren't you? Oh, I don't know. It was such a long time ago. We've been together for a while. I know, um, right? It's all a blur now. Yeah, yeah it's all a blur right now. But I've you know, been doing, doing Raider broadcasts for a while, whether it was from the sideline or now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. The you know, it is what yeah. it is. So, well, yeah. yeah well, what, but here's the thing. You know, with, with the Pac-12 starting and already having this issue, the Washington Cal games canceled. Um, you know, you kind of expected this. I don't know if you guys did, but I did kind of expected this because all the scientific experts had said, you know, there's going to be a spike when the weather changed, when it went to fall uh, in the winter season. And so we were going to see more an outbreak of more cases. It was just whether how these big conglomerates are going to handle it. The NFL has its issues, as you guys already know. College football is no different. They're going to have their issues. What What seems to be... The, the main difference is that the overall philosophy when it comes to approaching the COVID, people in the South or the East, you know, for the most part, I hate to make it seem less, but I don't think they really care. I mean, they, they, there's, there's, to me, there in this country, there's, there are people who say, you know what, let's just get the virus and get over with it and just move forward. 
And then there are other people who are scared to get the virus. And that paranoia seems to trump a lot of things, no pun intended with the word Trump, but seems to, <laughs> seems to, you know, it seems to put things in perspective or to where they're like, they're, they're, they're hesitant to take their, their daily action. I say that to say this. I don't know what type of product we're going to see from the Pac-12. And I don't know if there's a team that runs the table in the Pac-12, wins the Pac-12 championship, that will still be able to participate in the college football playoff. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Whether it's Oregon, Utah, whomever, I seriously doubt it. Um, I, I would like to see good football. I would like to see people having fun. I would like to see people enjoying themselves. And I think sports does that. But because there's such a, a questionable time, it's hard to truly relate and understand if that's going to happen, whether it's on the college football level or even the pro football level, because you see pro football teams that are having their problems with COVID testing and, and COVID positive tests and stuff like that. What do you think about the 9 a.m. local start for the college kids? It's good for them. Get their asses up. They ain't doing anything else. They go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tough the guy. Thing is, 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 no, in, in all honesty, if the Pac-12 is going to be relevant, it's going to have to find a way to put its teams or its games on time where people are watching it. You try to hold to 9 p.m. or later or your 7 p.m. or later after a full day of college football, there are going to be people east of the Mississippi less interested. In order for you to become relevant and viable, you have to put your team, your time, uh, your, your games on times, or at least interesting games on times where you know people are going to be watching. It seems like in the long run, they need a TV contract with two networks that says, you're going to have a late night game, but you got to put your best game on in that 1.30, 2 o'clock window, depending on whether it's ESPN totally or Fox. Agree. Totally uh, agree. And then you have totally a second agree. one at night. But that way, they can always have two of their better teams, and maybe more than that when the best teams are playing each other in these earlier time slots. And then the two games that feature last-place teams, or you know, you're not going to have any leverage, you're probably going to end up on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, when I travel, people are asking me about – Oregon, they're asking me about Washington, Utah, USC. They're asking me about a lot of the notable names of the Pac-12, and they, they seem interested in what type of product that is. But if you put it on so late at night to where they lose interest, you, you, you're not you're not gaining anything. So, I mean, I, it's it's no slight against these other teams, but you know, you put you put Oregon State versus Wazoo on late at night if you want. You know, you, you got to put your premier teams or your premier schools on, on the front line to allow them to stand up to the Midwest games, a lot of the Big 12 games, and even some of the SEC games that happen late in the afternoon. Yeah, with that in mind, it's, to me, as far as running the table and all this stuff, it's the same old issue in the Pac-12. Uh, somebody's right. going to beat somebody that we don't expect, and then they're going to fall by the wayside. And I don't see anything well, different this year, even though the games are fewer. Where, where, where we can appreciate the competition level as it is in the Pac-12, we look forward to those types of upsets, if we call them that, appointment. Unfortunately, it doesn't, you know, this country has been so used to perfection or somewhat sort of perfection, an unblemished record. If you watch the way the SEC and the Big Ten schedule their games out, you know, because they're so happy, I mean, top-heavy, there, there's not a, you know, look, for like in Alabama, if they're going to play LSU or Auburn, they schedule a cupcake or a bye the week before. They get themselves ready to play that game. I'm not saying that the Pac-12 needs to go down that route, but the thing is is that when a Pac-12, a Pac-12 premier school uh, gets in a bowl game, 
That's one thing. They got to find a way to win it because they have to put themselves on the national stage. But even more so, they got to find a way to try to stay as close to perfection. Because if an if an ASU uh, you know uh, upsets an undefeated Utah, that does no good for the national standard. Maybe good for Pac-12 because oh man, everybody can be beaten on any given day. But for a national standard, it does it does no no one any 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 good. And so that's the problem that we face because every year we've seen at least what we've been working together. Every year we see one or two of those things happen. We're joined right now by Lincoln Kennedy of Raiders and Pac-12 Network analyst. Uh, as far as the Raiders uh, facing the Chargers. What do you make of a Charger team that seems to have a double-digit lead every week and seems to blow a double-digit lead every week? How close are they to figuring it out with a young quarterback, and how much is this team going to be broken by blowing so many leads? Anthony Lynn used to look pretty confident on the sideline. I thought he right. looked really beaten down in Denver as that big lead disappeared and they lost at the end. I mean, it's it's got to add up psychologically, doesn't it? Well, first of all, I hope it, they don't figure it out this week because the Raiders have to play charge. <laughs> but, but I will say this: you know, with coming into this game, um, they found their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. This offense is second in the National Football League with yards per game uh, at 417 or something like that, um, and so that means they can they can they can definitely move the ball. Herbert's got some weapons. He's playing phenomenal, uh, and he looks like he's going to be the part for the rest of uh, his career, at least in the, in the Chargers uniform. Um, but when, when you look at it, well, the way I kind of equate it and breaking down a lot of the games they did this year, it seems that they become conservative after they get leads. Uh, what I mean by that on both sides of the ball, they're not as aggressive in pushing the ball down the field or trying to push the ball down the field uh, with long passes. Herbert has struggled this year with short and intermediate passes versus zone coverage. But versus man-to-man coverage, he has pushed the ball. He's taking some chances. He's had some big games uh, throwing the ball down the field. The run game is a little bit inconsistent due to the, to the um, um, deficiencies on the offensive line. So that's been a little bit inconsistent. But they have had times where they've gotten big chunks and big runs. Uh, defensively, it seems like teams, that in, especially in the second half, have made adjustments towards their defense to be able to take some shots. And I also think that they played a little bit more zone prevent style of defense in the second half when they had substantial leads at a point just looking like they just want to try to get through games rather than take over games. Um, and that's you know a, a big drop-off because most of the people will tell you, especially in the National Football League, if you've got your foot on proverbially somebody's neck, you don't take it off to let them breathe. You, what you do is you keep it on there and you press, keep the pressure on them. Uh, and, and make them try to figure it out. Um, but the Chargers have, have relinquished a lot of those leads and made a lot, you know, a lot of those games a lot more interesting than they need to because they don't know how to finish games. Uh, and I think that's what adds to the 2-5 and five record. However, historically, if you look at the Chargers, they do bad the first eight weeks, seven, eight weeks of the season, with it, whether it's injuries, inconsistent play, however you want to look at it. Then the final, the second half of the season, they turn it on. They look like a true playoff caliber team. Again, I'm hoping it doesn't happen this week, but this is a very dangerous team. I'm watching that game last week and that miserable weather, the Browns and the Raiders, and I still don't miserable, know if I understand. Com- <laughs> that's fun stuff. Come I don't on, know now, if I understand. What, that's what I deem fat man weather. You could run all day and not break a sweat. That's fat man weather. That's good stuff. What's, what's wrong with that? True. Yeah, but I, and plus, <laughs> it seemed like it had a little bit of everything. 
every possible yeah. weather uh, element came through during the course of the game. I was figuring you were probably glad you didn't have to travel to that one uh, watching that Well, that, game. That, that's very uh, true. But, Cleveland is cold. It's cold there. So. <laughs> I'm not sure I still know what a catch is because I didn't think that Renfro caught the ball. I thought there was a lot yeah. of it that hit the grass, and I was surprised that they upheld that touchdown. I think it was a makeup call because I think they, when you went back to the rugs, it was so close it could have went either way that they wanted to try to make right. up. But I, I agree with you. You know, you could you could have went either way with it. Uh, the thing is, is that I think every it seems like every season we're tested on what is a catch, right? You know, because yeah, last night, exactly. you know, watching the the, the, the Green Bay Forty uh, er game. When the receiver initially came down with the ball and they ruled it a touchdown, the 49er receiver, I don't know his name, uh, came down with the ball and they ruled it a touchdown. I saw the ball bounce off the ground. I'm like, well, how the hell are they calling that a touchdown? But both both referees <laughs> sat there and agreed that it was a touchdown until they went to review and reversed it. So, you know, it, it seems like every year we're trying to, trying to define what is a catch. And it's really crazy because, you know, we as fans, we just want them to get it right. So, it's like, you know, the guys that are sitting there, it's like, oh, wait a minute. There was a sliver of white between his cleat and the sideline. So that's – or green. I said, so that should be a touchdown, right? No, uh, and go back and go, like, oh, no, we're going to reverse. So I think it was kind of a makeup call. But but you're right. It seems like every year um, and in a lot of games you have those those questionable calls. I honestly thought that Renfro uh, – the, the ball touched the ground because I saw his outside arm um, adjust – when the ball hit the ground or when the ball, the point hit the ground. And to me, that is not a catch, but they ruled it a catch anyways. I'm curious what you thought of uh, Tua Tungavailoa in his uh, first start because you played in the offensive line. I just know what offensive linemen have told me on TV. Uh, But watching games, I've always been told in the NFL, the quarterback has to get back and hit his spot because the old linemen have their back to him and they have to know where he is because it's all about angles. It's all about angles. And when Tua's bouncing around with a happy feet in the pocket, I would think that would drive offensive linemen nuts. To his credit, I thought he tried to stay in the pocket, but it's not a 15-yard circle like it is at Alabama. It's the NFL. It's a tight space. What would you think? I, I totally agree. And thank goodness that he was bailed out by special teams in the defense that time because or you know, you might have been talking disastrous. You know what, what? What the thing is with the young quarterbacks? I think we saw this with Kyler Murray. It probably started with uh, Baker Mayfield. There's there's a little bit of a transition that's happening. What's what what's leaving us is the prolific pocket passer, the you know the Peyton Mannings, the, the Andrew Lux, the, even the Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence is a little bit different because you know coming to the league, he's he's a mover just like Justin Herbert. He's he can move, he can run, and so he's not just stand tall in the pocket. But he does have that ability. I say that to say this: when the Cardinals made a move from Josh Rosen out of UCLA, a traditional pocket passer, to Kyler Murray, you saw the NFL ready to absorb the future that is college football. If you look at college football as a climate, no longer do you have the stand tall pocket passers. You have the Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kyler Murrays, those guys, the athletes that are capable of moving, played a couple sports, probably played baseball somewhere in their, in, in their lifetime, uh, that are able to improvise and make things happen on the run. And for a while, the NFL was, was adamantly against that because I don't want to run a quarterback, he's going to get hurt, and so on and so forth. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is one of those guys that has been often injured in college, so people cringe when he has to move around. However... They're flabbergasted by the level of talent that this young man has, especially being a left-hander, 
writes with his right hand and throws with his left hand, so go figure that out. But, you know, the, the, the talent that he could possibly be and what he can do for Miami. And Miami still has a ton of draft choices, high premier draft choices, so they can build a, a seriously strong team around him. In the interim, we're all on pins and needles to see what he can do right now. I thought it was a mistake for Miami to start him last week, especially against the Rams. I said there's no need. You're, you're, you know, you're tied for uh, second place. or You're in second place, and there's really no need. Fitzpatrick wasn't playing poorly. You don't need to make that move. But ownership and coaching staff want to see what they have in a future franchise product because they do have a lot of trap choices. So they have to analyze what they have as far as premier players. Um, the performance, uh, you know, was, it wasn't stellar to me as an uh, as a as as an uh, individual performance. The team around him rally, which shows bodes well. Now it looks like Miami is in the thick of things in the AFC, and they might just have a quarterback. Yeah, that's the funny thing. You know, they might just have a quarterback. I don't know if it's always been that way, but certainly in the last many years, it seems like the this search to find whether you have that franchise quarterback is now the phrase has just consumed uh, teams. And it's like you have to find if you have it. And so they're playing these guys younger. And then even though they're getting the playing time younger, it seems like they're more willing to quickly go away from them. So I'm wondering how fair it is for these quarterbacks because we're seeing the same thing with Darnold now with the Jets. They're talking about going away from him. It's like if you're not an instant success at the quarterback or show some immediate promise, they're going to run away from you within two or three years. It's because the emphasis on the rookie contracts, the first contract, to get as much as you can out of the first contract out of that player because the truth of the matter the way the quarterback salaries are going, and if you look at you know the, the the premier quarterbacks, if a guy's doing well and he's and he's and he's say he's at the top of the game where he's productive for any individual individual team, then it puts them in a clay and it puts him in a, a case where he can his agent can argue for a thirty five to forty five million dollar contract a year. That's that's what happened. The Russell Wilsons, the Patrick Mahomes, and everything you know, Deshaun Watson, all those guys. You know, um, put those contracts so high that you've got to get, if you want to keep your guy, you've got to get in the conversation with that. And so they have to see what they can do within that time frame. Because unlike, you know, the other sports where you talk about the, 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 you know, salary cap, the salary cap for the NFL is a hard cap. And so if you commit a $130, $140 million contract to one person, you're probably going to have a hard time signing other people around them. So then, therefore, the variable of rookie contracts become an emphasis because after the fourth year, if you don't pick up that option for the fifth year, you can release, release that guy and start over again. However, if you miss with a first-round pick and a top-ten pick at quarterback, you set your team back behind four years. So, if, so, so case in point with Sam Darnold. Though I don't think Sam Darnold's a, a bad player. I don't think he has weapons, and I think the New York Jets are a disaster. The New York Jets are at a, at a point where if they don't win any games and they have the first pick and everyone is touting Trevor Lawrence as the next great thing at quarterback, would, would they be wrong? Would they, be, would they miss if they don't take him? So if he turns out to be a, a stellar all-pro, you know what I mean? That, that's what I'm talking about. So that's why – 
trade, you know, Sam Sam Darnold becomes trade bait and uh, you know, a conversation pieces uh, because they don't know. They just they don't know. But they but there's a there's a thing like when you look at Joe Burrows or you look at you know it's other premier quarterbacks that came out of number one pick. Oh my gosh, he looks so great! You've got to get him. You you got to take him. You can't miss. Don't miss on this. This will do your franchise bad. It won't sell tickets. That's where the Jets are at. He's Lincoln Kennedy. He's a Pac-12 network analyst. He's the analyst on the Raider radio broadcast. You'll hear the Chargers and the Raiders Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lincoln, thanks for joining us as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Guys, be well. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. There's Lincoln Kennedy. He's here every Friday for a Football Friday.